Right, we're start. gonna do some like I, the iconic opener. You ready? Okay. Stephanie, yeah. here we go. <laughs> Hi. Hello. This is For the Girls Podcast. This is a podcast about you and your diva. It's about queer people who love divas and gay people who love divas and women who love divas and artists who love divas. It's it's for all of our Cathy's out there. It's for our guest today, Steffi Jacula. Hello. Hello. And Steffi, who are we doing? Today I'm doing Kate Bush. <laughs> yes. The amazing Kate Bush. Yes. Multifaceted and amazing. The incredible Kate Bush. This is such a huge one. She's the art pop diva supreme. I'm just hoping I do her justice today by being the fan. But I am such a fan, so I'm excited. I always feel that fear. I mean, we, we talked about that um, uh, when we did our episode. Our, our diva is Bette Midler. And I get the point right away. I did it within Gosh. like three seconds. The point is always <laughs> if we can mention shoving our diva uh, into the episode. Mm-hmm. And I usually do it like not with no like Jason wins this intro. game every episode. Yeah, because I just say it. Um, and so I win. And I love winning. Um, but we talk about how like like speaking about someone that's so important to your life there's like kind of a fear that like how how, how reverential reverential Re- referential referential yeah Can we're actually be. very tense in our episode mm-hmm. to like fit everything in because we want to be perfect for her you know yeah hopefully i'll do her justice you're going to you're gonna kill it how'd you meet her where did you find kate bush so the way I found Kate Bush is I had already kind of heard of her a few times, but I kind of saw that she had a lot of albums, and I thought, oh, I don't have time to get into this, like kind of in high school. Mm-hmm. And then right after high school, I was driving back and forth uh, down here uh, to L.A. from the desert where I lived, and I had a lot of time on my hands and I went to a record store that was closing and they had a box set with all of her albums inside of it. What was the first six albums that she ever came out with? And so it was really cheap because they're going out of business. So then I thought, well, I have time to kill on my way commuting every day. So I'll just like listen to an album a week over and over again. And then the next week I'll listen to like her second album and I'll just kind of work my way through her first six albums because this is somebody I've always kind of wanted to get into, but I didn't really know where to start. That is so special. Yeah. That is so, so special. Also, just because, like, hard copies of things, you know, like, where you just, you play that album, and that's all you have in your car. Yeah. Right? Like, you're like, well, I'm going to dedicate time to this. Yeah. So every every day for a week, I would just listen to that one album. So the first week was the first album, The Kick Inside, and then I moved on to the... Lionheart after. I mean, Kick Inside is just amazing. Do you remember, like, being... Because I know, like, I, I came about around that age when I was, like, 19, my first year of college, and I was like, ooh, this is witchy. Also, like, I don't understand. Like, I remember not, like, completely understand. Like, the, that music was a little bit... Um, it was just so unusual for me. Yeah. It was It was kind of a little bit cabaret for me at the beginning when I was listening to it and I and I liked it and I liked the storytelling but I didn't really connect with it right away until about um I think the fourth album is when 
there was just really weird stuff on there. And I was like, I can get down with this. It's oh, a so little... the weirder the better for you? Yeah, kind of. Oh, whoa. I mean, I liked it, but it was as, there was like just that album as soon as I heard it, The Dreaming. The Dreaming. Oh, okay. Yeah, there was just a lot of really weird ideas and stories on there. And then there's just the way that she produced it just sounded so crazy, some of the things that she did. And that's the first one that she self-produced, right? I think that is, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of a darker album too, right? Or that's like the kind of, is that the Get Out of My House? Yeah. That's uh, the one that's at the, that's the last song, which some people say is about Peter Gabriel's wife screaming it at her. And I think oh, it's about wow. The Shining too. Oh, that makes mm-hmm. sense too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there, yeah it is. Mm-hmm. She also called it, I read that she called it her She's Gone Mad album. Yeah, I know that during that time, Peter Gabriel had given her the Fairlight, which is what she used a lot on that album. It might have been the album before, towards the end of it, that he gave that to her. But then I think his wife was really mad that they were spending so much time together and working on this instrument together. And Can you explain to people who might not know, like me, what the Fairlight is? The Fairlight was um, a synthesizer at the time, but you could also sample into it. And so a lot of the, the sounds on that album are actually samples, and then you can play them in different keys. Oh, wow. And pitches and things like that. So is this book, so when she and Peter Gabriel did, what's the song, their duet, their famous duet together? Don't, don't Give Up. Don't Give Up. So that was before The Dreaming? No, that was after that was 82. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. I love that. I love that song. And also, yeah. like, Hot Tea. Do you know who remade that song, like, in 2007? Who? John Legend and Pink. No. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, they did it, do. And I also love that. <laughs> Is it good? Okay, like, I cannot believe I'm admitting this on the fucking Kate Bush episode, but I'm, like, a low-key pink stan. So for me, yes. And I think John Legend's a snack. So yes and yes. I mean, it's not, um, uh, yes, it's good. I mean, and the Peter, I mean, it's a six minute, like beautiful, like crazy ode to like not giving up. Like, you know, so. It's a beautiful song. Yeah. Are you into that song? I really love that song, but I, now I kind of want to hear. You do? The remake. Okay. We'll listen to it. We'll listen to okay. it. We'll do both. We'll do, we'll we'll do, do both. both. A compare and contrast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad I got to give you something you didn't know. I, I heard this. Originally, somebody else was supposed to do Kate Bush's part, but I forget who it is right now. Um, Peter Gabriel uh, bizarrely asked Dolly Parton. That's oh, yeah, who it was. Yeah, it was Dolly Parton. Okay. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. So, which is so weird. Just to imagine that, right? I think she could do a haunting version of it. Yeah, when I read that, I, all it made me think of was how much I wanted Kate Bush and Dolly Parton to do a duet. Uh, Kate Bush didn't do many duets. She did some covers. She did a duets. duet with Elton John, didn't she? She did a cover. She did Rocket Man. She did Rocket oh, Man. Yeah, she he, covered Rocket he Man. He did like a little bit on one of her newer albums. Mm-hmm. I, think in, I think, I don't know. I actually don't know that much about her newer stuff. She did a song with Prince, but they might have just co-wrote it. I don't think they actually recorded it together. Yeah, I think they co-wrote that. Yeah. So it was the first album, Driving in Your Car. So the first album, Driving in Your Car, can you remember like the first song that really hit you that you were like, oh, wait. I remember listening to Wuthering Heights and it sounded somewhat familiar, but I didn't really totally get entranced by it Mm -hmm. right away. And then... Lionheart, I was listening to it, and I just remember Symphony in Blue. I really thought that was beautiful. Mm. And it was still a little bit too 
show toony for me some of the stuff. But I'm then so, I'm I'm dying that you thought. I guess because I'm such a show tune queen. That, yeah. Like, and so I feel like you're picking up the, on my speed. Is it but the, like I never associated that. But yeah, it is. It's um, it is cabaret. It's, yeah. It's dramatic, right? Yeah, especially when you see some of the some of the videos that were associated with those first two albums, like seems, them heavy people. Yeah, that and then um, Hammer Horror. Mm-hmm. That whole dance mm-hmm. thing is very cabaret. Okay, let's play this. If you could pick one song from the Kick Inside to play, what would it be? Um, like if you if, if you had to be if someone was like, hey, what you know, what what should I do? Give me one song. Probably, uh, it would be moving. Okay. The first song off the album, because now at the time it didn't really hit me, but now when I think of that song, it just it's just the way that she sings it. You actually, when you hear it, it makes you want to move like the way that she sings the, the, the words. Dramatic. You cannot he, laugh because it's, and she's just so like, but do that witchy interpretation. It's like, it's like a witch goes to like, uh, you know, uh, a cabaret piano bar. But like, it's like, I have some songs. But like yeah. a 15 year old witch, right? Because right. she wrote a lot of these songs when she was a teenager and they're very, very dramatic. Yeah. And I, I read this interview of an engineer who was working on, um, Wuthering Heights, and then he said that when he looked over to the vocal booth when she was singing her parts, she was actually moving the parts out just like in the video, and the video hadn't even come out yet, and she knew what the movements were, and she was like feeling everything she said, like wholeheartedly, and... and I mean, I never doubt her. I mean, she sometimes... I, I, I don't have a huge history of fandom with Kate Bush. I always like her music, but um, I never think she's insincere. No. I think she's weird and I sometimes don't get it, but I think she means the fuck out of every single note. Yeah, he said that when he looked over, it looked like she was casting a spell in the vocal booth. Yes. Yeah, when she was recording that song. And now when I think, when I hear that song, I think about what she must have been doing while she was recording it. And, um, and I think we're going to have to, I don't think we, I think moving is beautiful. I don't think we can skip Withering Heights. Okay. We would be, we would be slayed. And that video, I mean, I remember sitting around with my girls, my little coven, watching that video and us like pausing and memorizing the the movements, pausing, memorizing the movements, right? Right. 
It was just so iconic. Well, now they have a day there's... where everybody dances. Mm-hmm. The movement's out. Yep. Yeah. It, they have one in New York, and I think there's one in Ireland. There's and... probably one in London. Have you too. watched yeah. those videos? I've watched them. I mean, we should do it here next year. Yeah. And they have it again. Yeah. You yeah. Them in LA. Yes. The witchiest place you could go in LA to do a Kate Bush dance off. Elysian Park, maybe. I can't think of anything. Or we could, or the um, what's the what's the cemetery called? Oh, Hollywood yeah. Forever. Or, or Hollywood Forever. <laughs> yeah. Hollywood Forever would be just, pretty fun. Just dancing to Wuthering Heights in a cemetery. I remember, I my memory uh, from that from this album and that song Withering Heights and that song from Withering Heights uh, was I think like Kate Bush had a resurgence for when I when I was like nineteen yeah like there was like before we knew that everyone was gonna call us the H word a hipster uh-huh. uh huh we just all were like this is this is our queen like whoa this is our witchy queen and I remember like going to house parties. And Kate Bush being played. Yeah. And all of the bros just cleared. And all of the <laughs> girls and the gays would get on and start just twirling around and owning the space for at least, like, that one song. Like, The Withering Heights or The Running Up the Hill. Yeah. Like, it was our thing. Right? Yeah, there totally was a resurgence, and it's weird when you think back on it, because she hadn't even come out with a new album in so long, but all of a sudden, everybody, I think, maybe because of the internet, started watching her videos and getting to appreciate it all over again. Isn't that amazing? We talk about that so much in this podcast, what YouTube has done for fandom, yeah. in the sense that we we have the past like at our fingertips in a way that we just didn't have that before. And you save so much money because I remember when I first got into Kate Bush, I was spending all my money on eBay buying DVDs of people who just kind of, you know, were recording all their old VHS tapes to like have all her videos on one DVD. And then you pay like 80 bucks for like, it's a bootleg DVD 
of just all the all of her videos and now it's you go on a youtube channel and they're all there and it's totally free it's it's amazing it is true like we well, yeah youtube sponsors because we talk about you constantly as like <laughs> a fan it's like a fan saving grace like i'm constantly doing the like update time you know like relevance time so it's like what's new today like I, and especially with kate bush like she has such a trove of like hidden gems right yeah well because she's and she's as much a performance artist as she is a recording artist yeah so it's really good to actually watch the videos and see the movements that she associates because sometimes you don't really know what the song's about and then you watch how she dances and then all of a sudden you kind of see Mm. what went went into it and what the story story is behind the song it unlocks the mystery in some way yeah usually it does when she's dancing to it a little bit so her second album is like my um, uh, blank spot. Like I couldn't, I, 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 I'm still yet been able to truly like. I bought Lionheart, uh-huh. um, iconic album cover where, she, like, where she is a lion. Yeah. Um, full paint, like '80s job. But I didn't really get it. Yeah, I feel like it was kind of the leftover songs that they didn't use for the mm-hmm. first album. And a lot of the songs on that are also songs that she first recorded when she was 14 or 15 years old. Wow. And they finally got to come out on there. Like I know that uh, Kashka from Baghdad song was definitely on her demos when she was 14 or 15. So I feel like they had success with the first album. So they thought, oh, we'll put this out. But in rushed. the meantime, kind of I heard that yeah. it was rushed. Yeah. yeah. And I think they were also just kind of milking the fact that she was still kind of on tour for a while. And it just came out. And there wasn't really, I guess, Wow was probably the biggest song off of there. Like and it wasn't, song. I like that song, but it wasn't, it wasn't very big i would say probably on the charts or anything like that and that was called tour of life that she was on that first yeah, tour, right the yeah. first tour do you have like the a bootleg of tour of life i have i have this i brought it um for our podcast listeners Steffi has brought us a trove of how how much of this is of uh, is of your collection it's just just like um i would say sampling. 10% wow. of my Kate Bush collection. Wow. It's a lot of fabulous VHS tapes and some some books. And what else do you have there? Okay, so I this is actually from the Tour of Life is when she played Hammersmith. And this is the, the VHS of it. Gorgeous. Wow. Yeah. Beautiful. And then I also brought this uh, DVD that I bought off of eBay, which is uh, her Christmas special. Yes, from 19, she, 1979. She had a huge Christmas song, right? She had a song that was called "December Will Be Magic Again," so it wasn't really, I would say, totally about Christmas, which I appreciate. It was just about the month of December, which is pretty magical. <laughs> Solstice. <laughs> yes. But her Christmas special actually has nothing to do with Christmas when you watch it, which is why I love it so much. She comes out dressed as a bat. Ooh, I love that. There's also a song that she sings about um, somebody coming to her wedding, shooting the groom, and then her coming back and uh, killing them. And then committing suicide afterwards. And she actually has a gun and is shooting, like, a fake gun and shooting people on, in... Iconic. Yeah, so. And they just loved her, and England was just obsessed. I mean, they were mad for her. Yeah, she was a, She was kind of like the Britney Spears of, you know... wild. Yeah, it's crazy. God, the 80s was so fucking weird and Yeah, when cool. I came to her, I did, I, like, it took, it took me, I was just like, whoa. 
we found a weirdo. Like, we're, we're in our teens, and we, and look, look, this is our weirdo. And then it took, obviously, until, like, Wikipedia came around, and you could do, like, proper research. And I was like, wait a minute, she was a pop star? Yeah. Like, that was their pop star? Yeah, because here she wasn't really a pop star. And that's why it's I had heard of her, but I never really remembered seeing anything. She never got really picked up. Of her. And then once I got really, really into watching her videos, I realized, oh, she was that person who made that really long song with Peter Gabriel that I didn't have the attention span for when I was little. Mm -hmm. But now I I do think it's beautiful. But at the time, it was just, I didn't get it, really. Um, But, okay, back to her being popular and a pop star. Because her third album was like the highest um, selling album of a woman for a woman of all time in England, in the UK. It was like the first like number one album by a female artist in the United Kingdom. What was? Never Forever. I didn't know that. Yeah. I always thought. I always thought. Well, I guess it did have that Babushka song on it, which probably helped a lot. Which is yeah. another classic. Yeah. How do, you feel, how do you feel about that song? I mean, the, I always liked the song when I heard it. And then I saw the video and she's dancing with a, an upright bass. And I just thought that's so creative and cool. And then it kind of, and that video just totally tells you the story of, of what happens and being incognito and fooling your husband and dancing with an upright bass. She won't test her husband. She knew exactly what to do. A pseudonym to fool him. She couldn't have made a worst move. She sent him sensitive letters and he received them with a strange delight. Just like his wife, but how she was before the tears. She was before the years flew by And how she was when she was That song's a trick. And he wrote that, that song's off a... K- Kate Bush? Well, well I think so. Because don't you know that the whole saga is like they're writing like personal, the couple's like writing personal ads and they meet up on the beach and it's 
them each other. You're so good at lyrics, babe. Oh, babe can remember a lyric, okay? I often have to like call Jason about a song that we've known for a really long time. No, you don't. Be like, what are these lyrics You've mean? never... Oh, what do they mean? But like, I can't quote lyrics. Like, I can't... Nick can memorize the lyrics. Like, But I never... But you are the one who like understands them deeply. Them. I mean, that, 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 that is like... A, <laughs> that wasn't a deep interpretation of Babushka <laughs> or the other song that's just literally what those songs are about. <laughs> it's like... Couples chip, tricking each other. <laughs> I didn't interpret that, by the way. Oh my god. <laughs> you, okay, so we're on to the third album. This was in your third week of driving. Yeah. In your car. Yeah. And I was we like, we have three more hours of this. Yeah. Things are getting a little weirder, and so I was, I was, I was liking what I heard on the third album, and then Army Dreamers was on that. I love that song. Yeah, it's like one of my favorites. It's it's beautiful. Yeah, and, and the video is so. I feel like, I feel like that's when she really starts owning everything. Yeah, and like really like, and she also gets more money, so that Army Dreamers like such a production, right? Yeah, and I think that she had time to plan out what she wanted the videos to look at look look like with the song. Mm. What is that? That's the Hounds of Love. Right now, there's like been a pack of like dog wolves like in my neighborhood that once the sun sets, they just, they're hungry. They're the Hounds of Love. That's the Hounds of Love. They're like, get to the I fifth so, album right now. So, so just for you, I've ordered Hounds of Love. Okay. When you leave, like, just, just, just be careful. You know Hopefully they're not waiting for me. Hounds of Love for you. Uh, let's play some Army Dreamer. Okay. Yeah. Do you like that song? Yeah, I love it. Because it seems like it's when she started talking about current events a little bit more and just things that were happening mm. in the, within the world and not just stories that she had read and writing songs about it. Like that was obviously about being in the army and, and not wanting to, you know, be a part of war. And then uh, 
she's such a good storyteller. Yeah. And then Breathing was on that album, too. And that's Mm -hmm. about, like, nuclear. It's, like, anti-nuclear war song, basically. So. It's, It's amazing. I was thinking today about, like, the 80s and magic and mysticism and all the stuff that Kate Bush represents and like thinking of all the kind of other artists in the 80s like David Bowie and people were like into fantastical ideas especially in England Mm -hmm. and you just think of like Thatcherism and everything that was happening in the political climate in England at that time it was an escape yeah 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 it was an escape she like opened like the door to Narnia and like was like letting you come in and your music to like escape Margaret Thatcher's terrible reign of that country. That's so beautiful. That is really beautiful. And it doesn't mean, yeah, it's like, well, because I think she was such a perfectionist and controlled so many things. She did like, you know, she was like, here's my fantasy. Come on in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was a complete fantasy. You know, like she completed all of her ideas to, you know, to perfection. Right. Whether you got it or not. Yeah. And I think she really did start getting to do it on that album. Mm. She choreographed a lot of, she started choreographing things that she did during that time. She started doing more production work on all of the things that she recorded. And then she also, you know, had more control over what the videos look like in the end. And also after those first two albums for people who are new to Kate Bush, after the first two is when she kind of took her her money from those and took a bunch of dance and mime classes, right? I think she might have taken them earlier on. Well, that was earlier. But she definitely was still doing that stuff yeah. then, yeah. And I it, love that, that she was like a constant student. Right. Constantly training with other great artists to yeah. like expand her vocabulary and expand her performance ability. Well, and you just mentioned David Bowie, and her mime teacher was the same teacher that David Bowie had to oh, teach wow. him. Yeah, it was Lindsay Kemp. Oh, And so cool. they both learned uh, mimetry. <laughs> Mimerini? It's Mimery? just mime. Mime? It's just the study it's of mime? It's just mime, yeah. Okay. I like mimetry, though. Mimetry? <laughs> mimetry, uh-huh. <laughs> mimetry. I, I had to study mime in college. Oh, yeah? yeah. Oh, really? Ooh, you have to show some stuff to mime. I think it's right? just called mime. <laughs> I, yeah, I want to have... really doesn't read on a podcast? Mime. <laughs> Let's see. But we still need one lesson after the podcast yes. is over. Okay, okay. Um, and, so, and, and it got weirder, and you like weirder. Why? What was weirder... I, f- I feel like just the songs during that time, because she got to do more of the producing on them, uh, she used different ways of telling the story through sound, mm-hmm. and it added to kind of just the landscape of what she was trying to say, instead of just being straight up having some musicians in the studio that are, you know, just studio musicians that just play what's on a piece of paper. She was actually experimenting a lot with sampling things and having it add to the story. I think this is the time we drop what you do. So, yeah. So I work with synthesizers a lot. So it was during this time when I first got my uh, job working with synthesizers, I got really into Kate Bush. And so it kind of added to the mystique of her. Because she really started building these soundscapes, right? Like these yeah. Kind of really complex. She started getting more complex, like kind of more into the weeds with her production, with her productions on those songs. Yeah, and I started recognizing things she was doing as stuff that I was learning about at work, and like recognizing sounds, what synthesizers they were, and then she just has a lot of really interesting production techniques that then I would try to figure out from stuff I had around 
That's so cool. Yeah. Wow. And you were just starting to do that when you had when you were on your car ride journey with all these albums. Yeah. And then I had friends that would get in my car because I was just I became just obsessed with Kate Bush right after high school. And there was one guy who get in my car and he would always like mock me and say. KBSH Los Angeles, all Kate Bush all the time. <laughs> yeah, bra. Yeah, she does really scare the bros away, doesn't she? <laughs> she really you does. Should get a bumper st- you should get a bumper sticker that says "Ass Grass" or Kate Bush. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> Kate Bush. <laughs> Oh, I want to go online and make that. Food. I know. <laughs> you could do that. Right? It's so specific to you too that like. So, only your what do you do for a living? Taglines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a yeah. I'm a tagline writer. Get at me. Um, oh, so then you got to. Is it your favorite album, The Dreaming? The Dreaming is my favorite album of all of all Kate Bush time. Of all Kate Bush time, it is definitely The Dreaming. Was it the Was it your favorite? When you clicked on, when you got to the fourth one, were you like, here it is? When I got to that album, I listened to a song called Leave It Open, and it was so bizarre that I just fell in love with her so much more. go from enjoying Kate Bush to wanting to know everything about Kate Bush and understanding how she how she made that song basically how it, did she make that song I mean I I don't know because it's <laughs> it wasn't there <laughs> well I mean there's so much to that song that I really love and it has the drums at the end of it are this like they use this method called gated reverb on them, which was very eight, a very 80s thing. It was very like Peter Gabriel and Phil Collins would all do it. And mm-hmm. if you listen back to a lot of the songs from that time, they have that drum sound, which kind of happened during that time. But then there's also at the end of it, she starts singing this this vocalization that's just so bizarre it has to be backwards. And I, it actually is. They ran it backwards. And it's it's pretty amazing. Wow. It's so I so many thoughts about like I can really like see I think she's a huge influence to so many people but I can really see like Bjork out of this mm-hmm. like it reminds me of a lot of things Bjork does but also I think of backwards and I think about Pink Floyd right and the the guitarist from Pink Floyd helped her make her original demo right and it's just like Kate Bush really puts herself in the middle of musical history and like she's. I mean, I'm not a musician, so I don't speak about this well, but, like, she uses the aesthetics that came before and morphs them and, like, defined 
the people who are coming after her. Yeah, and she embraces the technology at the time where I think a lot of people are afraid and they kind of just keep going back to the thing that they know. But I, I really feel like she would take the new technology and try to see what she could do with it because she wanted to see where it would take her. And she was excited to have that to tell her stories better. So is with, okay, so that's your favorite album? We're getting, we're getting right there. Is that your favorite song? Off of that album, it's not. At the time, it was. But there's a song on there that's just so sad whenever I hear it. And at the end of it, it's just all these people saying bye on her answering <laughs> machine. And it's so sad. And so that's kind of my favorite song because when I hear it, you really feel what, it, what it's like to be lonely and want to give somebody your love but not really know how to. It's just really sad. And I wonder if it was her, like, kind of, like, talking about fame in a way, too. Her relationship with fame, maybe? Right. I think that song, I think that song really is because she'll talk about how people are always wondering what she's up to. Mm-hmm. And she's just, and she says, I'm just up to something weird, I think, in the song or something like that. Because she's just focusing on doing this thing that she loves. And I, she does it slowly. Sometimes people are mad because it takes her a long time to put out albums. But she really isn't. She sets the bar really high for herself and she wants people to feel something when they listen to her music and it really shows. I take this from this podcast called Crybabies. We talk about crying cues. We're like, we we go to things that make us cry. Does that song like? Does that bring the waterworks or? That song definitely makes me cry. Yeah, yeah. It's something that you put on. Yeah, like, I need a release. Well, because already it's it's a sad song. And at the end, there's just all these different ways of saying bye to somebody, and it's just really sad. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, and it it's about needing somebody to love but not really knowing how to love people i think in a way but then also needing somebody and them not knowing how to love you which sometimes happens a lot Mm -hmm. so by this time like how by this time we're on the fourth album right were you like all right i'm i'm gonna go deep on her like that was my person yeah did you have like other people before that or were you were you you kind of a I've, i've been wanting to ask this like of other of our other yeah. people, like were you fans before that, and then you realized, oh, I'm a fan. I mean, now, I, like, I'm obsessed. I liked Tori Amos before that, uh-huh. and I can see why that would be kind of, and like people associate Kate Bush with Tori Amos. Uh-huh. But then after I found Kate Bush, I just thought 
Torimus is awesome, but this is a whole other level of control over what you're doing and control over uh, visual output and mm. performance art, basically. So, yeah. So, and, and Tori is definitely a daughter of Kate Bush. Yeah. Like, Kate walked so Tori could run. Kind of thing. <laughs> yes, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Thanks, Mama. Um, but then, okay, so listen to this segue. Speaking of the bar being high, next comes, you know, what everyone considers the great album, The Hounds of Love. Love yeah. The masterpiece. Do you can do you consider it her masterpiece or her centerpiece? Or? There's really amazing things about that album. I don't know why I have like a soft spot for the dreaming. I think it's just because of things that we had already talked about. But the Hounds of Love altogether is just really. It's a it's a really good storytelling method mm. of having the first. There's like a first the first wave of it. The first and then, side. Yeah, and then the second side of it is. Completely different, but it's beautiful. The you, first side is... Oh, sorry. We're going to go can you talk to us about those two sides for folks who... This is for all of our Kate Bush version... For all of our Kate Bush virgins in the audience? Well, I haven't really brushed up on my Hounds of Love, but I just remember the first side has kind of the hits off of it, which mm-hmm. were uh, Running Up That Hill, uh, Big Sky, Hounds of Love, and then there's the song about mother stands for comfort which just has all these amazing breaking sounds of like breaking glass samples in Mm. in it and cloud bursting yeah so beautiful oh yeah and cloud bursting that's also that that was all the singles basically yeah yeah. Yeah. and then the second side is basically this crazy story about her falling into the ice and uh it sounds like she goes into some sort of coma or long sleep and then she comes out of it eventually, and I don't know. It's waking the witches on that, right? Yeah, hmm. I think the first section, the first side, was what like her accessible pop hits, and then uh-huh. she took, then she purposely did this the like a kind of because it because the second side is continuous. Mm-hmm. It's not like all one song, but it does move into. It feels like one yeah. story, well, one narrative, not one narrative. But it uh, it blends in like there's no there's no hit on that on that side. Like no. it's ex- the, that side is just pure experimental. Yeah. So she's like she gets you comfortable, comfortable, comfortable. Like you, songs are accessible, and then she goes pretty wild. And I think she was actually supposed to make it two albums, but oh, then no. probably they just decided nobody's gonna know what to do with the second side of this being just one album. So they kind of just split it up and turned it into two different waves is what they call it, I think, on there. Like your candy on one side and your vegetables on the other. Right. Yeah. I feel like that those runs of that that run that she had with, with from from the kick inside to Hounds of Love, that's like that's like I don't know. We always like hate when people say like the Beatles are the greatest, but that's like some Beatles level like epic albums. Mm-hmm. Just pure artistry you know that that collection right there is just so enormous and impressive, right? Like it's crazy. And when you see the time that passed by, it wasn't actually. I mean, those first four albums, yes, but then people waited a little bit for the fifth album. But just the amount of things that she did during that time is pretty amazing, considering how young she still was. Yeah, she was so young, huh? Yeah, she was I, still in her like late twenties by the time. Yeah. That- Cloud bursting. Blow in my mind. Because like I knew she was 19 and the kick inside, but in my mind she sounds so mature and assured. 
by the time Helen loves it, it's crazy to think that she wasn't like 103. Right. Right? I guess it's amazing when you're making work that deep and art that that that's that that es- um, excavates mm-hmm. so much of your thoughts and your soul. Like it's she's she has a very old soul. Yeah, she definitely has an old soul. And it's the songs, you know, it's if somebody writes a love song when they're that age, you're just thinking they're going to be like, oh, you cheated on me. I hate you. But it's th- that song running up that hill is such a deep, you know, love song. It's crazy. We got to I mean, it's a hit. It's the hit, right? Yeah. What do you think is her biggest hit? I would say running up that. Hill. I would say so, too. Anytime you go to a wedding, if they're actually <laughs> fun people. <laughs> cool, fun people. Yes. They're going to play running They're going to play hill. running up that hill. And then all the weirdos are going to get out and celebrate. Yeah, and they'll say, what is and this? all the bros <laughs> are going to go to the bathroom. <laughs> cello samples that are like running through reverb that she used on the Fairlight and you just I always kind of wondered what what is that sound and it's it's a cello sample which is just crazy to think about actually and what she does with so many songs which is so complex is like I like sing angrily with that song I also sing with sadness yeah I sing with like also celebration yeah and it's really kind of a song about like empathy right okay which is crazy It's yeah. It's all and yeah. It's and it's also asking. Yeah, I think like there's like a sense of asking, you know, in that song. It's it's so complex to me. Like it it all and it and it does. It comes back. And through your life, it kind of will start to mean different things depending on what you're going through. Exactly. Which I think is also what you're saying a little bit. Did you have a bonding with people with Kate Bush? Did you did you find your community, or was this kind of more solo? Uh, it was solo at first, but then I feel like I got some of my closest friends really into it. Eventually, uh, me and my best friend went to London to see Kate Bush when she came back. And let's, well, let's unpack that because it was in 2014. You yeah. went to London and saw her. And was it the Royal Albert Hall? That was, I think it was at the Hammersmith, which is where... Oh, at the Hammersmith. Where, Okay. You were too enchanted. I was. I don't remember where it was. I just got there and I cried so much that at one point I like fell asleep for two minutes. Really? Because I was exhausted from crying. Yes. Wow. Yeah. 
And then at another point, I look two seats behind me, and Annie Lennox is sitting there. <gasps> what? Looking gorgeous. Of course. And what then, was she wearing? I don't remember. <laughs> I, I was you, just... Too many tears in your eyes. Yeah, it was before the show started, and I was just so anxious, and I, I couldn't believe that I was there. I Why still don't believe anxious? it. Can you describe that? Um, I was just... I still... It's kind of like in my head, I still didn't believe that Kate Bush actually existed in a weird way uh-huh. because she's just so magical to me that I was there to see her and I just couldn't fathom actually seeing that person in front of me and then when she came on on stage it, that was the weirdest part about seeing her was I just couldn't believe that she actually existed the whole time I was standing there watching wow. her or sitting there watching her and because she doesn't she didn't tour she didn't tour I think she hadn't toured in 25 or 30 years at that point mm-hmm. and then uh We got these tickets, and it said we were in the 14th row, but when we actually got there, we were in the 7th row. And at one point, there was like an aisle behind us, and they pulled her off of the stage. They were carrying her, and they carried her right behind me, and I could have just like reached out and touched her hair. But I was so afraid of getting kicked out because there was still a whole other... It was almost like intermission. So I just sat there, and I couldn't believe that I saw her that close. What was your favorite song from that concert? Like, what was your um, moment? It doesn't have to be a song. Uh, the moment is, I don't want to ruin this for anybody who eventually there's supposed to be a DVD that comes out, if it ever does. Uh, at the end of it, she turns into a bird and flies away. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, she, and we mean literally. <laughs> oh, we found out she's actually magic. <laughs> no, she's not magic, baby. She's just a bird. <laughs> <laughs> she just has the powers of transfiguration. <laughs> Harry Potter tea. <laughs> when in London. <laughs> oh, and so I will give you guys now the things that I brought you. Oh, what? So when when I was at the show, they had this very special confetti that fell from the sky, <gasps> and here's one for you. What? And here's oh one for you. God. So now you can forever remember this day. That is so, sweet. That is this so day. nice of you. Oh, we've never gotten gifts. This is so nice. So yeah, can I, I got that. I gathered as many after the show off of the floor as I could. Please read it. Okay. Wave after wave, each mightier than the last, till last a ninth one gathering, half the deep and full of voices, slowly rose and plunged, roaring. And all the wave was in a flame. That's so cool. This is the coolest thing ever. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. much. That's so generous of you also, to give us these. Uh, was, it, was it this? Um, these are like, so everyone, she, um, Steffi said it's confetti, but they're these, oh. it's this very beautiful thin paper like with this writing on it. Yeah, and it's a gold color. It's very beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Oh, oh we're God. not done. <laughs> You're not going anywhere. <laughs> Listen, you. <laughs> I just thought it would be a good time to present you with gifts. <laughs> I think it's an excellent time. <gasps> Did you? That was beautiful. <laughs> that was amazing. How long was that concert? I feel like it was two hours. Oh, so yeah. good. It, there was an intermission, and it. I still can't believe I got to go. I, I, I bought the tickets... Before I had obviously a way to get there, I had been there before, but I just knew I because it was hard to get the tickets, and I thought if I get them, I just will find a way after that to get to go, and 
So luckily, I, I stayed up like every night waiting to get them. I think it was three days in a row because they released more tickets the second day and the third day again. Wow. And and like you said, we don't know when she's going to tour again. Like, you know, she maybe won't. Yeah, she might not ever tour again, which is... I just... It, it was one of those things where not that many times in your life you are... People are always happy to... Th- you know, they, they say, oh, I wish that I would have lived during that time. So it's nice when you actually are excited about something yeah. happening in your lifetime. And I know it's it's just a person that you get to see in a concert. But I was like, what a great time to be alive. I get to go see Kate Bush, I which yeah. you don't really uh, say that often sometimes. I've been trying to work on that, like just celebrating that I get to experience yeah. this thing. And, and I'm dead. I'm just lucky. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful. Yeah, and it's nice to be envious of certain things in the past, but it's good to embrace the things, you know, that we, that, have. That we have around us. I'm so fatalistic when we, I've, I said this in our iconic pilot episode, um, but if, when we, the last time we saw, no, the last time we saw Bette Midler in concert, which is not the last time we saw her live because we saw her on Broadway more recently, but the last time we saw her in concert was here in California, and I just started crying afterwards because I was worried that I'd never get to see her again, that she wouldn't tour again. And so when we got to the parking lot, I, like, broke down crying, like, hysterically crying that I would never get to see her sing those songs again. And it's very selfish because I've gotten to see her sing live so many times, and I've got, like you said, I, I wasn't appreciating what just happened. I was just so, I just want more time oh trust me there was a come down after the concert (laughs) was there (laughs) oh yeah i mean i always i've been to london probably four or five times now i end up going there for work a lot and various reasons but i always get really depressed anyway when i come back just because there's just something really old and exciting about being there and riding the tube around and going Mm -hmm. to different places that you don't usually get to see here and then after that though i was just devastated i thought i'll never get to see kate bush again and i just wanted to see the show again and again and again so (laughs) there was a come down good well that makes me feel less and also i feel like you said like you cried till you fell asleep like you are filled with kind of crazy emotion like you just get like it's kind of like it's that thing of like i remember when i first saw bet medler i was like shaking too like with nervousness that she like almost like i couldn't take you know like that maybe the expectation or so like I just couldn't take like it being real like yeah. you said and I just that, I was like nervous like yeah like I, I can't control this and like, it's really overwhelming to have all those things coming at you at once mm-hmm. it's you know it might be nice if you go see a show and they just play like a song a night for a whole mm-hmm. a whole mm-hmm. week then give, you can give, give you a break yeah give you a break <laughs> so, a so break. you can really appreciate it but when they just hit you for like two hours of this thing that you never thought you'd get to do it's pretty amazing. And then you're in the room with this person you never thought you would be in. Like, to me, it's like, they're, okay, they're in the same space. Yeah. We're in the same space. Like, I can't comprehend that. And also all the people who are in the room with you who also love it as much. That's the thing that... Well, I don't... I don't. fans must have been crazy at that concert. Yeah, we were talking with our friend Will Schwartz who did the Bjork that he felt that Bjork can, like, possess an entire audience. And I imagine that maybe Kate Bush is like that too. I thought there would be a little bit crazier of crowd there. And they there was a meetup afterwards across the street at a pub. And I thought, oh, these people are going to all be insane artists. They but were. I mean, they were. I just think that I was expecting, you know, 
just mimes and things like that, you know? Mimes and fairies and <laughs> Mimes and fairies. Wild 80s, like, yeah. punk, like... And Adam Ant. Yeah, Adam Ant. <laughs> like, like, stop just being like, yeah! Johnny Rotten. But I think everybody was just so, you know... Spellbound. Spellbound after that and depressed that they couldn't go again the next night, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So after... So there are three albums after... Uh, Hounds of Love before she goes into being her reclusive period. Two, two. Oh, the just Central two. World and um, the Red, Red Shoes. Shoes. Do you like the Central World? That's when she she does kind of get out of her tour. I don't know. What, what do we say about the, that? Uh, I love that we're going album by album. We never do this. I know <laughs> this is iconic. <laughs> I I do like that album. It's it's weird because you can tell she really embraces kind of being an adult in a weird way during that album. And she, there's also that weird song about being obsessed with her computer. Deeper I, understanding. Deeper understanding is, I think, one of my favorite songs. Yeah, it's really beautiful for a song about that subject. You think that sounds really lame, but it's amazing. It's the people And, and it's like, again, looking ahead of its time. Right. Because like when I listen to that now where she's like, as, the, as it grows colder, like I hold on to my computer. Yeah. And I turn to it like a friend. I turn to it like a friend. It's, it's like what we're all going through now. Right. As oh. I'm like, I've been on Instagram for an hour already today and it's 12 p.m. So it's my I best ne- friend. <laughs> it's my best friend. It's like what I engage with the most. Yeah. Uh, also, like on the Central World, she does. A, she did a whole call, a whole album called Director's Cut. Right. Bizarrely, like we're all waiting for these. <laughs> we're like to drop a new album, and she just recut. Yeah. Like a whole album, like a, like only Kate Bush can, because it's like what? That's random. That's. And that, is that her last album that she put out? No. 
What's the most recent one? 50, 50 Words for Snow. 50 Words for Snow. And before Director's Cut was the Ariel album. What Did you get into that? I mean, that's kind of obviously... I, it's weird because I had just probably... I think that came out in 2003 or 2004. And I probably got into her in 2000, 2001. And so it was such a short time after I got into her that I was also once again... I'm so lucky to be around to get to see a new Kate Bush album because it had been so long at that point. And then when it came out, there was a bunch of bird stuff around it and a bunch of bird samples within it. And I love birds. So there was something about that where I just totally felt more Mm. connected with her, which was which is really cool because sometimes when people put out new stuff, you feel like, oh, they've changed and I can't really connect with this anymore, but mm-hmm. I felt even more connected to her and I felt like we kind of would maybe be friends if we ever met each other, which is cool. Oh, wow. Because I love bird watching and there were just so many bird samples on that album. It was really cool. Then the last album is after um, Ariel? The director's cut in 50 words for snow. snow. Hopefully I'm in the right order. I've, I've, I've so rarely, what would be the, what would be your in song to 50 words for snow? Honestly, I don't know. I didn't really get that much into that. Like as a piece of as a piece of art, I can listen to the whole thing and enjoy it. But I there I don't really have a that's the track that I love to listen to mm-hmm. off of that album because it is so weird. Yeah, it's just more of a kind of instrumental uh-huh. kind of thing, I would uh-huh. say, and it's it's really beautiful and peaceful, and that's kind of not why I love Kate Bush so much. I would say. I mean, I do love that about her, but I love. When she gets a little bit weird and when she gets... Um, Maybe disruptive? Yeah, hmm. probably. Or just really insightful in a really strange way and uses weird ways of conveying what she's feeling. Is there a song that for you keeps changing the most, that like keeps evolving over time? Since you've been like a fan for 20 years, what's the song that just keeps revealing itself to you? Do you know the song Hello Earth? Mm-mm. I, I kind of go back to it, and then every time I listen to it, I kind of imagine myself in a different place Wow! when I hear it, and just what it would feel like to be able to, like, look into space and see Earth, or, you know, just seeing another planet from another place. That's so cool. Yeah. Hello. music there's a nostalgia of sometimes just a place that i haven't even been to yet that i feel like i might go to it's weird and for me my 
I, 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 I go, I like, it's like I, I stretch from time and space. Like I go to, I go to that, because for me, Kate Bush represents more free, freedom, freeing time for me. Mm-hmm. When I was like, you know, uh, kind of discovering the world and to like discovering new and interesting things like Kate Bush was like kind of center in there uh, and center for like a lot of my, uh, my friendships and a lot of my female bonding friendships. Right. You know, so like I, I, I kind of go there, which is like such a safe, safe space. So how many Kate Bush besties do you still have left? Well, I, you know, it's not even that like they're, it's like for me, if you're hanging out, Kate Bush is coming on. <laughs> All of the sudden when we found her, Kate Bush was on every mix. Yeah. You know, and the more obscure Kate Bush song, the better. <laughs> right? Like, the, like you were cooler for that. Like, literally, my freshman year was like Kate. It was like Kate Bush and Prince were like the things that like everyone was was playing around me. So yeah, I have like you know I I have I have definitely one bestie that was uh that like introduced me. I'm still best friends with her. Oh, that's amazing. You know, um, I love her to death, Mama. You know, I'm talking about you. And yeah, and I just a, a, a girlfriend's coming down with her band. Wow. From San Francisco, and I was like, "Honey, I'm thinking about you in Brooklyn." But when I'm, uh, I moved to, you know, in my 20s, and mm. we would like move in these ugly little lofts, to, like Kate Bush. Like, really, like if there's like an awkward moment, you just put Kate Bush on, and everyone yeah. just like can be freaky. Yeah, and now we're friends because of Kate Bush. Yes. So of you know, absolutely bonding. It's so funny. I was, I was thinking today how I was reading something about how. You know, I don't like this word, but when people use the word twee uh-huh. around Kate Bush, I find that it's because I was like, what is that about? Like, what is that word about? And it's about her weirdness or her uniqueness, but also that mixed with utter sincerity. Yeah. And like, she's pure Kate Bush, 800% all of the time. Right. And that is fucking queer to me. And that is why I think queer people like are drawn to Kate Bush because she's just like stands in the center of her freaky universe that she made. And she just keeps making it no matter how the tide turns for her or against her, like the winds of fame don't seem to affect her artistic decision making. It's yeah. so fucking admirable. Yeah. And she's not worried about what people think or how, uh, you know, it, whether or not the album sells mm-hmm. or anything like that. And so, I think it makes people feel free listening to her because she's not worried about that stuff. And it's, it's, she, they're listening to her music that she wants to make. Mm-hmm. It's brave and yeah. it makes you feel brave when you listen to it. I totally agree with that. Um, so we're handing you an imaginary cell phone. Okay. On the other end is Kate Bush's voicemail. Uh huh. And you get to leave Kate Bush a voicemail. So you can just take your time okay. and just say whatever you want to say to her. I would just probably ask her. I'd say, hi, Kate. This is Steffi. You don't really know me, but I am a huge fan of yours. And I would just love to come to your studio for one day and watch you work and see the different methods that you use to write songs. And it would just make my life complete. And I want to go bird watching with you too. Yes, <laughs> bird watching. <laughs> yes, learn from the master and then go enjoy the birds. 
Okay, Kate. That. So Kate Bush, if you're listening, our email is mail at forthegirlspodcast.com. <laughs> We're not going to give out Steffi's phone number on the air, but you can email us and we'll send you. <laughs> Kate Bush, you can like, subscribe, download. <laughs> Kate Bush. Listen, like, subscribe, download the podcast. <laughs> and even if you're not Kate Bush, you can also do those things. Um, and if... If this is your first time hearing about Kate Bush, I think you should get the box set <laughs> and just do a the week CD at a time, set. the CD box set, then put a CD player in your car. Oh, if you don't have a car, buy a car. <laughs> buy a car and then drive around and take one album a week and uh, change your life. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You got to move to the desert and you have to do work in, a, there's a lot of synth jobs. You, can do, you, can you, can you need to get a synth job. No, no, no. You have to have a synth job. Job in synth, baby. <laughs> and that's how you're going to get into this. But before this, you maybe. do any of those things, we are going to need you to download this podcast, <laughs> okay. like it, subscribe it, review, and then if this is, if you're one of those Kate Bush fans who just listened to, to us go through Kate Bush's entire career with this amazing fan, Steffi, uh, go back and listen and learn about Liza Minnelli and Beth <laughs> and uh, Tori Amos and Audrey McDonald. Yeah, girl. You might like it. All right. Thank you, Steffi. Thank you so much. Bye. Thanks, thanks everyone, for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. In this proud land, we grew up strong. We were wanted all along. I was taught to fight, taught to win. I never Too much.